There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stocks for beginners. Weekend watch list. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company, sector, or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value and opportunities. Joining me today is Max Chatsko from Seven Investing. Hello, Max. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming on. We're looking way over the horizon. We've got the, the real direction-finding investments of the future that we're going to be looking at today. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. This is great. So Max Chatsko is an advisor at Seven Investing, and today we're looking at whether solid-state batteries will live up to the hype. So Max, let's start by talking about what are solid-state batteries. Yeah, so to understand solid-state batteries, you kind of have to look at what is a lithium-ion battery. That's the current existing technology for how we store electricity. So a battery is a pretty simple device. It has two electrodes, one on either side. One is positively charged, one is negatively charged. Uh, And then in the middle of those two electrodes is a separator. So a lithium ion battery, when it's charging, all the charge goes to the anode, so the negative side. And then when you're discharging or drawing power, maybe you're driving your electric vehicle down the road, Maybe you're using your cell phone to watch a YouTube video, whatever it is, uh, the flow of energy is going in the other direction. Uh, So it's leaving the anode and going into the cathode. Now, I think it's common knowledge. A lot of people know that, you know, there are some safety concerns with lithium ion batteries. Uh, If you puncture a lithium ion battery, it can ignite, it can catch on fire. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that the lithium ion battery is soaked in a liquid electrolyte. So an electrolyte is just something that allows the charge to be carried from one side of the battery to the other. Now, when that uh, is exposed to air, that is what catches on fire and can ignite. Uh, So there's one safety risk there. Additionally, because you have to use liquid electrolytes and existing technology, uh, it limits the types of materials you can use when you're designing a lithium-ion battery. So now we're stuck with using only certain things on the periodic table. We have certain performance Uh, inefficiencies that we have to live with. uh, And you're kind of stuck. You have limitations on the cost for your batteries, on the performance of them, how much they can, uh, how long they can last, the the density that they can have. Uh, So this is limiting, of course, for things like electric vehicles. Uh, It's the, you know, the battery is the, the single biggest limitation for an electric vehicle. They weigh a lot. So it's weighing you down, which is costing you efficiency and mileage and range. Uh, and then, you know, charging times are like 40 minutes right now. Uh, they're very, very expensive. That's why electric vehicles are not even close to cost parity with internal combustion engines. So a solid state battery is much different. Uh, and in the same ones, it's, it's very similar. But as the name implies, instead of having a liquid electrolyte, it has a solid uh, separator, a solid electrolyte in the center. So there's no liquid in a solid state battery. Now, this allows us to make totally different decisions when it comes to the materials that we use for a solid-state battery. So we can use different parts of the periodic table. 
things that are better for a battery design for storing energy or discharging. Um, so they have a lot of advantage. And of course, you can puncture a, a solid state battery. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. And it probably won't ignite or catch on fire necessarily, uh, depending on the material decisions you make. So there's a lot of advantages to solid state batteries compared to uh, lithium ion batteries. As far as batteries go, is this the next obvious path for the quantum leap into major improvements in this technology? Yes. So lithium ion batteries. There's nothing, there's nothing else. There's nothing else at the moment on the horizon. So we've kind of gone through, you know, we've changed and tweaked some of the materials in lithium ion batteries over the years. And we made some incremental gains and improvements in terms of the, you know, the power density, the energy density you can have and the cost improvements. So we have made improvements, but they've been more incremental. Solid state batteries, because you're changing more of the, the architecture of the battery or the materials you're using, changes a lot more. You have way more advantage. It's more of a step change uh, in terms of the performance and the costs. For example, with existing tools that we have right now and what we think we can build once these start to become commercialized by the end of this decade, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, um, we think we can double the capacity of a solid state battery compared to existing lithium ion tech and drop the costs in half. So you can get twice the density and half the cost. And that means that's, that's going to be very important for things like electric vehicles. Again, you know, you're slapping this onto a car, uh, it's hurtling down the highway at a, at a high rate of speed. It's, it weighs a lot. So if you can reduce the weight by half or, or around that factor and get more driving range out of that, that's going to be really big advantage. Additionally, a solid state battery can probably charge in 15 minutes or less, meaning an 80% of the capacity uh, in 15 minutes or less. Uh, the fastest charge for an existing car battery right now in that same capacity range uh, is about 40 minutes. So, you know, if you get to 15 minutes or 12 minutes or 10 minutes, all of which I think are possible in the long run, that's closer to parity with the refueling times, you know, of a, a liquid fuel vehicle, right? An internal combustion engine. Uh, so another huge improvement there uh, in terms of the technology. And uh, what stage of development are they at the moment? Yeah, so there's a lot of excitement of solid state batteries, and they really are the real deal. I think they uh, this is a this is certainly the future. It's certainly coming. However, I think it's important for investors to know or understand or acknowledge that these are still pretty far out, relatively speaking. The first um, major designs that are really going to have the most commercial and widespread traction uh, aren't expected to be commercialized until about 2027. And even when they are at that date, uh, we still need to get global supply chains in place. There's still a lot of cost efficiencies that can be wrung out. Uh, so really, solid-state batteries aren't likely to be ready for prime time and really widespread until you know 2030 or the early 2030s. So as we sit here today in 2022, a lot of these companies are still hammering out some of the inefficiencies. They still don't have anything close to a commercial design. Uh, and even though they're projecting that they might have some supply or manufacturing capacity in 2027 and beyond, a lot can happen between, you know, February 2022 and, you know, 2027. There can be delays. They might have technical delays. Maybe something doesn't work out so well and they have to go back to the drawing board. Um, maybe there's a manufacturing delay or getting a facility up or uh, who knows what. Uh, so their investors need to be, you know, realistic in terms of the timelines, uh, but for sure, you know, again, I, solid state batteries are really going to make a big difference 
It's just a matter of when, not if. It seems to me that it's all about research and development at the moment. And what kind of money is going into it? What kind of resources are being deployed at the moment to, to achieve this? Yeah, so for most, uh, even very recently, you know, solid-state batteries are kind of confined to academic labs. Um, and then it's kind of matured a little bit. There's been companies that were formed and startups. Now there's a lot of companies that are researching this technology, and they all have their different you know, intellectual property portfolios they're developing and so forth. Uh, so now it's kind of in the hands of the private sector, which is good. That's a sign of maturing technology. Uh, but there's a few different companies out there uh, now that you can actually invest in. There's the three that are kind of like most closely associated with solid state batteries right now. The first is QuantumScape, uh, which I think a lot of people are, are familiar with. I think it was the first one to really uh, to go public. Um, it was founded by a uh, uh, former executive from Tesla, of all places, right? Uh, it's very well managed, great management team. Definitely have a first mover advantage in terms of technology, financial resources, employees, like attracting talent and so forth. So they're well positioned on all of those fronts. They seem to have some of the best tools. They're making some of the best technology decisions. And in terms of the early stage results that they're getting out of their development, uh, they do seem to be on the right path, uh, although they are still you know, years away again from really uh, being ready for prime time. There's some other companies like Solid Power, which is now public, um, SES, which is also public now. Um, and then, of course, there's other companies like Samsung and, and uh, Toyota. Um, I'm sure you know Tesla hasn't actually made any decisions yet on solid-state batteries, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they are internally working on it. Uh, of course, they're also- I very- was actually going to point out this sounds like an Elon-grade investment opportunity. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Tesla doesn't publicly really align itself in any way with solid-state batteries, yeah. but I don't think that's uh, a deficiency on Tesla's part. The way I look at it is, you know, Tesla has products on the market now. They need batteries now, today, tomorrow. So they need to kind of focus on those five meter targets, so to speak. Um, Solid state batteries, five plus years away. Tesla has time to prepare. It could make an acquisition. It might be developing its own technology. Um, So there's, and and really the tools can still develop in a number of different ways. There's still a relatively wide cone of possible outcomes, I think. Um, And there's, you know, look, these are probably going to be commoditized um, pretty quickly, right? So they're really great. It's an amazing advance, but also everyone's going to be able to do it, I think. Um, so keep that in mind as well. I mean, margins are going to come down. Uh, all these uh, automakers are partnering with these companies, but it's in their best interest to keep costs as low as possible, which could squeeze the margins for a lot of these companies. So um, some of these projections for like technology-like company margins and operating income maybe might not uh, be so true once you know 2030 rolls around might be a much different financial reality for investors in these companies listeners know that i'm always banging on about diversification and that doesn't mean buying different stocks diversification means being invested in a range of asset classes like bonds real estate precious metals and now wine wine is an asset class that's been around for hundreds of years but until now, only available to the mega-wealthy. VinoVest makes it easy to invest in wine. They have a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell and even drink them whenever you want. There's a case of wine in a warehouse with your name on it. 
Wine has a third of the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed global equities over the past 30 years, with 10.6% annualised returns, proving that the returns can be as full-bodied as your favourite Napa cab. Go to zen.ai slash stocksforbeginners to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Stocks for Beginners is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. That's zen.ai slash stocksforbeginners. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So these companies, they're, they're quite hot at the moment. Is that um, what you're saying? Yeah, you know, 2021. There's a lot of a vibe and buzz around them. Yeah, in 2021, we saw a lot of uh, valuations get a little, uh, you know, ahead of themselves perhaps. Mm. Um, mm. This space especially. I mean, a lot of things that were tied to renewable energy or clean energy or green energy, whatever term you want to use, uh, had some pretty high valuations. They had a, a high premiums attached to them. Uh, solid state batteries were no different. Uh, so QuantumScape, I mean, at one point it was valued at like, uh, I think $80 per share. Now it's back down to $14 per share. Uh, I think it's about a $6 billion company. So this is a $6 billion company that isn't going to have really any revenue until like 2026. It probably won't have meaningful revenue until 2027. And that's if these uh, timelines hold. Uh, so again, it's still very early in these tools, still a lot of things that could happen that could not happen. Um, so do keep that in mind when you're investing in those companies. And then for some of the other ones like Solid Power, SES, they don't necessarily have a $6 billion valuation. They're much smaller than QuantumScape, uh, but maybe they don't have as much maturity in terms of the, the data that they've generated from their own designs. Um, they're pursuing a little bit different technology roadmaps than QuantumScape. Uh, so just because it's not a $6 billion company doesn't automatically mean it's a better investment opportunity as you sit here in early 2022. It's fantastic, though, that there's competition happening. I mean, we've got, we're talking about here three companies, and they're all pursuing the same goal. And I'm, I'm sure that they're, they're doing it with a lot of energy, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and um, it's, just, you know, it's fantastic that um, we have this competition, this competitive framework, and out of which something will develop. Yeah, and there's, other, there's some really uh, well-funded startups as well. Um, there's a company in... Uh, Europe. It's called Northful, I think. Um, another battery startup. It's one of the um, most valuable startups in Europe, actually. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to go public, maybe because of where the market sentiment has turned here in early 2022. There's some other companies like Prologium and Ionic Materials, uh, both high-profile startups, all working in uh, solid-state batteries as well. So there is a really nice um, technology landscape and competitive landscape. I think that is Another sign that um, you know this is going to be a, a big opportunity eventually, um, and it is the real deal. And these companies will all push each other too, um, you know, to get these things to market. And these companies, I mean, at the moment, obviously, they're almost like laboratories. They're all about research and development. What's the pivot into manufacturing like? Would they just be licensing the technology or turning into manufacturers themselves? 
Yeah, uh, a lot of these companies do have plans to build their own manufacturing facilities. It helps that a lot of them are also partnered with the world's largest automakers. We've seen a lot of deals here get spread around. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, Volkswagen Group was one of the first to move in this space and it has a pretty nice little uh, collaboration or funding agreement with QuantumScape. Volkswagen Group has a lot of brands. It's a global automaker. Uh, of course, it's hedging its bets for the future of energy storage and electric vehicles. Ford and BMW are each uh, have some uh, agreements in place with solid power. Uh, Mercedes-Benz is, uh, made some bets on Factorial. It's another company I didn't mention yet, as well as Prologium. And Stellantis is also uh, has some agreements in place with Factorial. So there's a lot of uh, money being thrown around from the companies, the automakers that need these tools, which is helping you know provide liquidity, for these really early stage companies funding research, they would also, to answer your question, uh, be very interested perhaps in eventually one day, if these bets pay off, you know, building large scale manufacturing facilities so they could secure their own supply for their own commercial products and electric vehicles. So capital hungry for a long time yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's another way to look at it. <laughs> so is it mainly uh, large automakers that are investing at the moment, providing the funding? Are there any other players in this space? That seems to be the biggest source of funding because that is the by far the, the largest uh, market opportunity and market vertical for energy storage. Uh, you know, As part of the energy transition, uh, the world's going to be moving from liquid fuels and transportation to electric fuels and electric, you know, vehicles, electric batteries. Uh, so that is by far the the largest market opportunity here. There are some other opportunities, perhaps, in things like you know the power sector for grid storage. But I do think there's you know those are going to move away from lithium ion and even even solid state batteries uh, into things that provide long duration storage. So uh, things that can hold the charge for days or weeks. Um, a little more efficiently than we can do with batteries. Uh, what would that technology be? Yeah, so there's some different uh, ideas for that. I mean, there's batteries right now we're using because it's kind of the uh, available option. And the advantage there as well is um, unlike uh, a mobile application like a vehicle, um, you know, if I have a, a battery that's sitting in a field collecting excess energy from a wind farm or a solar farm, I don't really care how much it weighs. It's just sitting in a field, right? So you can make different materials decisions. Maybe you can drive the cost down. Maybe you can use recycled or older batteries. Um, so there's some advantages there. But in the long run, I don't think it's going to be batteries, uh, not in the current sense anyway. Um, there's some talk of hydrogen, but there's some huge challenges there for the hydrogen economy. Uh, right now, the emerging uh, front runner in my mind is something called the flow battery. Um, so they just are designed a little bit differently. They're big, big things. Um, different materials, but they can store charges for weeks or sometimes even months. Uh, that's really what you need in the power sector uh, to help smooth out some of those energy flows between production of energy um, and then you know when it's actually consumed. So, and so hydrogen is not an option to converting renewable energy into hydrogen, in, in your view. Um, I, I'm just interested because I do know a couple of companies that um, do. They're looking at hydro and they're using renewable resources to generate the power where they can produce hydrogen. And then we'd be talking about hydrogen fuel cells in cars rather than batteries. I mean, maybe this could even disrupt the whole sector. Yeah, hydrogen has a few different pain points that I think are going to keep it from really becoming a, a major fuel source. Um, one is the cost. So your main input in to make hydrogen is water, but also electricity. 
and you're competing with electricity. So it's hard to hard to displace or compete with electricity if that is also your major input, right? So the costs are going to be a little uh, difficult there for hydrogen. Another thing is the transport of hydrogen. Um, you can't transport hydrogen through steel pipelines because there's this phenomenon in material science called hydrogen embrittlement. And it just leads to uh, weakening of the steels that are used. So we couldn't, for example, use this in our 2 million plus mile of pipeline infrastructure in the United States that we use for natural gas. We would need entirely new pipelines. I don't think we have uh, trillions of dollars we want to throw at building all this new infrastructure. We already have a power grid. We already have homes that are wired for electricity. It's a lot easier to uh, convert everybody over to electric vehicles than hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. There's also some materials challenges for hydrogen. Uh, hydrogen fuel cells are pretty brittle. Uh, so for things like even heavy trucking, where it's kind of being, uh, there's still an open debate there. Is it going to be batteries? Is it going to be hydrogen fuel cells? Um, I think, again, solid state batteries make heavy trucking so obviously uh, electric in the future, not hydrogen. And hydrogen fuel cells aren't uh, durable enough, I don't think, for fleets. You would have to replace them and turn them over too frequently. That's going to be very, very expensive uh, for fleets to do. So it adds another cost there. And then there's some safety concerns for hydrogen as well. If you have a hydrogen flame fill, uh, you actually can't see it. It doesn't burn in the visible spectrum. So uh, it would be an invisible flame that poses some problem uh, problems if there's a, you know an emergency for first responders or people in an industrial facility and so forth. There's some uses for hydrogen in industrial facilities, uh, but there are in the U.S. some companies looking to maybe uh, boost the economics of their nuclear power plants. Lots of energy all the time great maybe for making some clean hydrogen. And a lot of nuclear facilities are co-located next to industrial centers. Uh, so maybe you can make hydrogen from a nuclear power plant and then ship it pretty nearby, uh, really in the same locality or region to like a steel manufacturing facility uh, where you can actually use hydrogen, not necessarily for energy, uh, but to replace some of the chemical inputs in the steel making process and really reduce emissions there from the industrial sector. So I think that's really the application for hydrogen in the future is not so much transportation, but maybe decarbonizing uh, some of our industrial processes, which do comprise a lot of our uh, our carbon footprint here as a species. So still, still a role, but it's probably not in transportation. Oh, it's just wonderful to talk about all the possibilities and how decarbonisation has um, inspired so much of this innovation. So, Max, we should um, talk about, just to finish off, uh, any ownership disclosures on any of the companies we've talked about today. I do not own any of these companies that we've talked about. So what do we talk about? We talked about QuantumScape. We talked about Solid Power. We've talked about SES. SES, yep. And Tesla and some of the automakers. I don't own any of them. Uh, mm -hmm. I resisted buying any of them, even though they're kind of interesting uh, in 2021 due to valuation concerns. Uh, so right now I do not own any of them. And currently um, I still want to see them mature to a certain point before I, I pull the trigger there. Uh, okay. And at this point, I'd like to mention the seven investing promo code. So if listeners are interested in Max's and any other of the views of any of the other advisors from seven investing, if you use the promo code stocks for beginners, you get a $10 discount on, um, on your plan and you get to hear the opinions and uh, the over the horizon views that um, like that, what we've been talking about today. Absolutely. We've got a good team there. Lots of fun working there. Um, so, you know, all a good time. That's uh, Stocks for Beginners, the promo code. So thanks very much for joining me today, Max. Thanks for having me back, Phil.
If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>